So sometimes in life you got to go for progress, not perfection, and that's what we saw on Saturday. Florida State beat Louisville 28-24, to and it was far from, from perfect, but if you're looking for optimism and, and signs to build on going forward, this isn't to say FSU was perfect. It was far from perfect. It's still a very flawed football team, but there's progress, and that's the uh, the takeaway that, that we have after watching FSU come away with a win on Saturday. It's better to be lucky than good sometimes, and sometimes you're lucky because you put forth an effort for 60 minutes. That's what I'll say about Saturday. So this is the Knowles 24-7 podcast. That's Chris Snee, uh, known as Animal, and probably a lot of other nicknames, too, that, that we don't want to share on, on air. And, and this is Brennan Sinome. Guys, thank you for listening. Uh, we're going to get into FSU's comeback win against Louisville and the good, the bad, but uh, taking the macro look at this as we go into the podcast, and we're going to start off with that. This is a team that showed signs of life and showed some fight. It, it played poorly at times. I don't think there was a lot to be super optimistic about in terms of, of execution on both sides of the ball, but, but it found ways when it had to. Some of that's lucky, Louisville making a terrible decision, and we'll start there. We're going to quit in Tarantino. We're going to start from kind of towards the end of the game. Bobby, Bobby Petrino's decision to pass the ball with you know, less than two minutes left and deep in FSU's territory when, when the Cardinals were, were gashing FSU, it looked like the game was over. And then A.J. Westbrook, who played terribly, um, comes up with, with what was really a poetic moment for a guy whose career started poorly in, in Louisville, and, and he came up with a, with a big play, Chris. Yeah, A.J. Westbrook had had seven horrible quarters at Cardinal Stadium in his career. He was bad the first three on Saturday. He was miserable two years ago in his first start there. But he had a great moment there in the end. You know, Louisville kind of tips off the pass. FSU does what they need to do. And then, to a credit, FSU's offense goes out there and puts points on the board to win that game. Yeah, that's uh, and then on the other side of that coin is, uh, is Naquan Murray. You're talking about another senior. So you have A.J. Westbrook. Uh, a senior who's seen good times and bad times at Florida State, probably more bad than, than most of us would like, uh, and then including himself. And then Naquan Murray, same thing, has been through some some ups and downs too and had a lot of highs and lows. And Nudie makes a really big play. He gets a slant pattern uh, in the middle of the field, breaks two tackles, falls blocks downfield for a 58-yard touchdown for the go-ahead score. FSU defense holds on. Uh, listen, man, th- th- there were a lot of issues with – this game um, but the way they celebrated after the way that they hung in there and the defense you were on the field Chris the defense ahead of the AJ Westbrook play was pissed off that they weren't playing well they were there was engaged an emo- still emotional investment was down there yeah. even when they played poorly they were into the game which mm-hmm. is different than what we've seen with FSU the last couple of years they should have lost this game. Let's not mince words and act like they shouldn't have. They should have. They were gifted it by Bobby Petrino making an incredibly stupid decision. Then they went and did something with that stupid decision. But they cared for four quarters. There was an effort. There wasn't a quit. It wasn't like Syracuse two weeks ago where they got gassed. And don't get it wrong, Louisville had the ball a ton more than FSU, especially in the first half. I think they had it for 10 minutes in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. That kind of set the tone for the day. So it's not like the defense wasn't tired out there. They were tired. But the difference on Saturday is that they played 60 minutes, gave themselves a chance, and in some ways were gifted that chance. But, hey, you got to play 60 minutes to have the chance. So using some of the metrics real quick to talk about luck and, and percentages, uh, when Louisville decided to throw the football for whatever reason, and I love the reactions from FSU players and coaches when they talked about Petrino's play call there because it was it was confounding. It didn't make any sense. Willie Taggart said he was surprised. A.J. Westbrook said he was surprised. Brian Burns said, no, I wasn't surprised, but it, quote-unquote, probably would have been smart to, to run <laughs> the football up. 
I don't. The decision was really strange uh, to, to do that. But when when that play happened, Louisville had a above a ninety eight percent chance of winning at that point, and that's per ESPN's win probability metric that does it you know, live per play. So so the odds of Florida State finding a way out of that were slim. Uh, they had two timeouts remaining, but they were at the very least going to have to use all those timeouts and hope Louisville kicked a field goal and give you what like. 45 seconds or so left to, to drive the field without timeouts. Um, and then that obviously drastically changes the play calling because you can't attack the middle of the field like they did with that, that Nooney slant. Um, yeah, and they set up the Nooney slant would have passed the DJ Matthews across the middle. Across the middle as well. The first play was a, a vertical to Tamorian, which was long. Second plays DJ across the middle, gets him towards midfield. Then a the quick throw to Nike, one on the sideline. And then the next play is boom, it happens. Or actually, I'm sorry, there's an incompletion. And then it's third and, there, and six. And then it sets yeah. it up on third and six. And, you know, it makes one man miss. A second guy misses. He outruns the rest to the corner. And there goes the story. I mean, it, good for them. They needed to win there. It matters that they won there. It's a building block. It's good. That locker room was joyous afterwards. There was an effort put forth, and they saw a product result from that effort. But they played really poorly. Yeah. I mean, they, they made Juwan Pass look really good. And Juwan Pass, after watching him for four quarters in person, is not any good at throwing the football. If DeAndre Francois was Louisville's quarterback... They would have thrown for about 750 yards, most of it up the seam and in the middle of the field. So let's work backwards and, and go throughout the whole game now and, and talk about the different units and, and the good and the bad. I will say that, that Florida State did enough well to win the game. There, there was some bad luck that Florida State had, too. Uh, how, how many... Well, how many fumbles did, did Louisville have that they recovered? Well, the, the total for the season is up to 13 and 2. 13 fumbles, 2 recovered. <laughs> I believe a, Louisville was 5 and 1. Yeah, Louisville had 5 fumbles. FSU recovered 1. Louisville had a fumble that literally directly bounced back up in the pass's hands early in the game. It, you know, some of that's luck, but at some point you've got to make your own luck too. 13 to 2 is an incredible disparity. Yeah, I think some of it is not having the instincts to know where the ball is and then the fight to, to go get it sometimes. Um, at the same time, the way the ball bounces, you can't control it. It's a, over a period of time, it's a 50-50 proposition. Uh, we've talked about that before. Uh, Louisville also caught some breaks with terrible officiating. Uh, you guys who have listened to the podcast know I'm not the one who, who bangs on the officiating being poor, FSU getting screwed over all the time. FSU got screwed over yeah, the, a couple of, of – The no, neutral no zone infraction where they don't whistle it and Alex a little slow on the snap, but that dude's head is still in the neutral zone. Mm-hmm and they don't call it is absurd. And the fact that Willie didn't lose his mind irritates me, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, Jimbo, not that I like the guy, but there's a reason Jimbo used to show up on uh, officiating videos for how not to behave. Sometimes you got to behave that way to earn yourself another call. And Willie, I thought, was way too calm on a play where FSU got robbed. And the example of, of where working the ref kind of comes into play, would maybe on the next play, isn't, isn't Dickerson called for holding on the next one? There's a penalty right after, and it's on Florida State, immediately after that play. I can't remember the penalty. But there's one exactly after. Yeah, you got the game notes there. Take a look real yeah. quick while I, while I stub a little bit. But that's where some that's an example of, of you going in and working the officials could could help you out a little bit you have to be careful how to do it like you said you want to be Jimbo being a psychopath on the <laughs> sideline uh, which we got to see this weekend by the way uh, not shocking um, but there was a play right after that where I think if, if you're the the coach who's who's making a case for his team that you'll get a little leeway later on if you do so appropriately uh, and then right around in that same time period, I forget if it was the drive before or the drive right after, there, there's the George Campbell. Uh, there's the George yeah, Campbell. Yeah, he's going across the middle and he feels yeah. like he gets tugged. Now the, 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 he did get tugged. I, mean, I didn't see it at first, and the ref didn't even see it. It wasn't they avoided it. There's not the official you can see on the replay isn't even looking at it. Uh, that's bad. That's poor doing a poor job. 
the not calling the the false start is or the offsides is damning. That's yeah. just that's just poor there, officiating. On the other side of bar early in the game, there's a run to the I believe left side where there's a hold at the line of scrimmage and Woodby's getting held at the second level. Woodby lost his mind. He couldn't move on from it for a while. He was mm-hmm. it drove him nuts. Flanagan sucks. He's an awful official. It's kind of par for the course with this league and the officiating they put out there week to week. So it is what it is. We saw those guys eating breakfast before the game at a certain establishment. Cracker Barrel. Should have should have taken one of those chest big over oversized chest or checkers pieces and flung it at them. It just, the league doesn't care about their officiating. They haven't forever, and it's been god awful for at least the last five years, and truthfully, much longer. All right. Homer podcast part. No, it's not. You're no, right. I'm, you watch an AC. I can watch Virginia and Syracuse, two teams I literally do not give a flip about. And, and it would be horribly officiated. Yeah. The league just doesn't give a damn. Yeah, and it, seemed, it, it cost FSU a couple of possessions on this one. Uh, so I guess saying all that to get back to my point is that you know, Florida State was lucky to win that game based on how it, it unfolded. But there was moments going into it where I think would have helped Florida State get some some juice going earlier, yeah. and, and that prevented it. So the offense sputters in the first half. Score has one nice drive, but generally speaking, not a whole lot to to like the run game. Uh, and it's throughout the entire game, not just the first half, doesn't get going. Averages two and a half yards per carry, condition, continues to be a problem. Uh, I, I, at this point... Chris, I kind of feel like it is what it is. Yeah, I, I don't know. What Two point eight per carry per carry on the season now, okay, and, and they just they can't get going. There's opportunities there. There's a couple runs if you watch that game where they're hitting the edge, and if they make one man miss or they sail it a bit better, it's a home run. But the issue is they're never hitting a home run, and truthfully, they're Billy Bunton for singles most of the time. They're just it's ineffective. Yeah, I think the the only positive thing that I see in the run game, I'm like, okay, it looks right, is when they do the wedge blocking stuff. Yeah, and, 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 and the O-line only... was much better with push in this game, yeah. and they definitely protected much better. It's the first game that DeAndre's been kept clean all year. He didn't get sacked once, guys. So, That's you know, impressive. there were positives in that regard, but there is just you have too much talent in your offensive backfield to get no production from your rushing attack, especially when you are stubborn mm-hmm. with your rushing attack and you're adamant that you're going to keep doing it over and over and Stats be damned. You might be a passing team that's going for three yards for every yard you're rushing for this year, but you're going to run that ball, and you're going to run it more than you're actually passing the ball in the year. And so two things. First, I'll qualify it real quick. We don't have to get into it. Cam Akers did run better than he did the previous week because this was more decisive. Much less dancing. That fourth and one run where he surged forward to get two yards I thought was a big boy run. That needs to be the more consistent version of Cam, though. Correct. And it's still the production wasn't great. There wasn't as much room to work with. on the other side of that coin, and that's where we're going to talk about here with, uh, with the passing attack and Willie's commitment to the run. You know, Louisville focuses on on the run. You're going to force Florida State to beat you through the air right now. That's you know, Willie wants an identity. He wants to run the football because he believes that's where the strength of his team should be. It's what he's always believed in, no matter where he's been. Right now, Florida State is much, much better passing the football. It's not super efficient, but the big plays is something that they do extremely well, and that starts with DeAndre Francois and, yep. and ends with Tamarian Terry and Nyquan Murray, Trey McKitty, DJ Matthews, Keith Gavin. He has guys who can make big plays in there. The good and the bad of the offense starts with DeAndre Francois. The oh, good sure. is that the passing game can go vertical to receivers that are starting to show flashes, and I'm including Trey McKitty as a receiver, yeah. of being able to make big plays down the field. They've been very good, actually, at chunk plays through the year. They're one of the better teams in the country, I believe, actually, at that stat of passes over 15 or 20 yards. 
The bad is that when your quarterback runs RPO and never keeps it, never forces the defense to recognize him as a potential runner in RPO, they're going to key on your backs and going to squash him up. Mm -hmm. Now, the third part of the offensive issues is that we need to quit running stuff laterally, especially with number eight. Yeah, that that doesn't. Trayshawn Harrison is your guy. If you're you're going to be stubborn and run those plays, which I'm of the opinion Willie Taggart's going to be stubborn and run those plays because he wants that to be part of his offense, Mm -hmm. you have personnel that can do it better than the personnel you're opting for. Get away from the personnel that can't do it. Nyquan Murray is not effective at going laterally in the backfield. It is poison. Trayshawn Harrison, three touches this year have gone for four first downs. He has four total touches. Yep, and two of those are on those jet sweeps, and both of them have been positive. Yeah, one was a pass, one was run because yeah. this past Saturday was his first rush of the season. Yeah, uh, but but the same play essentially. Right. Um, yeah, Nyquan Murray never needs to have the ball in the backfield. Yeah. Um, with that being said, I'll credit where credit is due. I've been critical of him not going north-south this season. And that guy got the football in that slant pattern. He turned up field in a hurry, and guess what, man? Well, if he did it earlier in the game, he has a first, first down on a play where he ends up two yards short. Down third so, down. yeah. But, yeah. but what I'm saying is he made in, – in the moment he had to yeah. credit where to, yeah, yeah. he did it, and that's – but He also had a spectacular sideline catch where he dragged the toe, and after he got to the line and hurried up and snapped it. But I believe the toe was good. It was a clean catch. It looked like – It was a hell of a play. Nyquan's one of those confounding guys. He, for every good, there's a bad. And that's – and that you – know, he's a senior. That is what it is at yeah. this point. There, there's a lot of now, I think, five games in the season. I'm kind of saying, okay, this is what it is. Here, a growing moment in this game, Keith Gavin tried to kill a man on the outside. I didn't notice it when yeah. I was watching in person on Saturday, but watching the replay, it's a swing. Wing lateral back pass to Nyquan. Keith ducks under, hits a man, doesn't see him coming, puts him on his ass. It, it was phenomenal. Uh, the, the it's the kind of walking would, you want. The one thing I would, you know, again, is you're taking baby steps, and that's that's progress. Don't stand over the guy and mock yeah. him after. Get up and block someone else, and that could be a three-yard game can turn into – you don't know what yeah. can happen. But that is progress. They are very happy with the way the wide receivers have blocked the last two weeks, and I think that's the storyline for me this out of this game, the positive, the two positives on offense. One, your wide receivers are growing up right before your eyes. They're becoming part of what you know, DeAndre's passer rating the last two games combined, I think, is 190. And that's because his wide receivers are helping him make big plays. Yeah, and imagine if DeAndre had a good first half Saturday. I mean, yeah, he went exactly. in the locker room 5 for 12, 76 yards, and a touchdown. And, and really, all of that is one drive. And that's the other positive for me is that the offensive line with Landon Dickerson in it was – Better pass blocking. It wasn't amazing, but it was better against a team that's not very good rushing the passer, so I qualify it with that. But when DeAndre came out in that second half and realized that he could step into his throws, that he didn't have to worry about moving backwards, he was able to stand and deliver and make some big boy throws. His receivers came up with big boy catches. Uh, Landon Dickerson at left tackle was revelatory just in the sense that he wasn't a turnstile. Like it was, it, it, the offense the last two weeks is beginning to kind of show signs of. of doing some things well. It's still deeply flawed. You have to be able to run the football. Willie Tacker knows that. That's frustrating him to no end right now. Uh, but if you're looking for signs of growth and, and what's sustainable during the you know for the rest of the season, you can hit big plays downfield. And if you can protect DeAndre Francois a little bit better, man, that's going to theoretically open up the run game sooner or later. I just don't know how soon. With the rushing attack, I think, because I'm of the opinion he's going to stick with it and keep doing it, I think you got to simply go basic, simple, straight towards the line of scrimmage kind of rushing attack. Slow developing stuff's not working for them. They can't block it up real well. More just take the three yards, cloud and dust, hope somebody misses a tackle, you get to the second level, can make something happen. 
at this point, accept that your fate is probably an average of about three yards per carry. But but stay ahead of schedule. That's what I right. like when they did stay the in wedge, front of chains. When they do the wedge blocking, third and four is a lot better than third and nine. There's nothing sexy about the wedge blocking, but it's been fairly effective where they get two or three yards. You're staying ahead of schedule, and you give yourself a chance. I, I agree with you, Chris. FSU's longest run, ten yards, fourteen nope, yards, fourteen yards. Our boy Nyquan Murray. Trayshawn Harrison, 10 yards. Running backs, longest carries, eight. each of them had eight. Each had eight, yep. None of them had a chunk play. Yeah. And as defined by, by playbook, uh, chunk play is 10 yards rushing, 20 yards passing, I think, or 15 yards passing. 15 yards passing. Um, but so neither of them had a long, you know, none of the running backs had a long game. Yeah. That, that's problematic. That needs to be better. That was supposed to be the strength of this team was the running backs. Uh, that has to get better. I don't know what the answer is. DeAndre is it comfortable running the zone read stuff. He's again, I don't think he gets much more comfortable with it this season. Maybe if he stays a year and has a full year to to do it in the spring, but right now it's that's not second nature to him at all. It's very unnatural. It comes off like a mental block. It is. It is. It seems he seems very uncomfortable doing it. You know, someone asked me after we went out for a drink after the game, and there were some FSU fans there, and someone asked, "How can you run Jimbo Fisher's offense fairly well as a redshirt freshman, which is super complex, and, and not be able to run?" read option stuff that guys do in high school and I don't have a great answer for that I don't know I don't think the staff knows either I think it's been very frustrating but he can spin the ball and that's what you do going forward so that's the offense the defense to me man that was disappointing that was a step backwards when they were showing signs of moving in a good direction I think they were disappointed by it credit to them they made plays when they had to late in the game Uh, there were some things that they certainly did well they did get four quarterback sacks but they also blitzed a ton I thought the blitzing was, if it wasn't Dontavious Jackson up the gut, uh, it, they weren't getting home. Kyle Myers was late on a couple of cornerback blitzes that one led to a big play and one almost led to another big one. DeKalen Brooks not getting there fast enough on the blitzes with consistency. Uh, at a certain point, man, that's just they, they don't have the guys to... They don't trigger well as no, a defense. They like They're always a step behind, a step slow, a step behind on recognizing, on reading, and reacting on stuff down the field. And it puts them in a lot of bad predicaments. Yeah, it does. I, I thought, and that was ex- especially evident you know, that the, the safeties were slow to react. They got burned a ton. And yeah. we're fortunate that Louisville, that was probably the worst quarterback FSU faced this year and will face. Nah, Juwan Pass hasn't been good at all this year. Mm. Um, and the linebackers, to me, were really tentative, other than D-Jax. Dontavious Jackson played well. I thought the two outside guys Yeah, but even lost. even D-Jax and some of those same hits that Louisville did connect on and some that they went for that they should have connected on. Some of that so middle linebacker has to protect the underneath of the middle better, forcing the quarterback to throw it higher, forcing them to throw it more aggressive over the top instead of having a very clean middle of the field to just seam it in there. Yeah. And uh, FSU was horrible in the middle of the field. I mean, A.J. Westbrook, Stanford Samuels, Hampson Azardine, the linebacker play to the middle of the field was horrendous. Then Louisville went to it time and time and time they again. They weren't doing anything special. To some degree, it's on Harlan Barnett for not recognizing, my Lord, we got to do something to the middle of the field. I understand that you're going to run your system, mm-hmm. but if Louisville could be consistent throwing the ball, they should have eaten FSU alive in the middle of the field, more so than they did. Louisville's game plan with the passing attack was to do some attacking to the perimeter, but mostly they just went vertical concepts with three guys on one side, overloaded it, and Florida State struggled, and it's – with the cover four, because they ran a lot of zone and did a lot of blitzing. 
Um, Florida State struggled with that. They left a ton of plays. Louisville left a ton of plays on the field, and Florida State's very fortunate in that in that sense. Now, part of that's by design. They knew Juwan Pass wasn't a exceptionally good passer. He's been 50% on his completion percentage on this season, so they dared him to beat him downfield. And he was 24 for 45, so he lived in that ballpark again. He did, again. he did. So I think part of that was by design, um, but still, man, that's you're playing with fire. And, and this week, we'll get to Miami later. FSU doesn't have a bye week this week, just FYI. Uh, Miami has water receivers that can get downfield. Jeff Thomas Very good. will feast on you if you play defense he, like he, that in the middle of the field. He leads the country in yards per catch. Yep. Um, and Nikosi Perry, I think, is a work in progress, but he can push the ball down. He likes throwing the fastball on the seam when yep. you get behind the first level of yeah, defense was, and before the safety gets there. We saw that. This, He's a big this fan of that kind of play. So, Very quick decision maker, which uh, is surprising for a guy who has so few snaps under his belt. I think what's frustrating to me is you, you see the defense make strides. Uh, you know, against NIU, it wasn't perfect, but they were physical. They were more assertive at times uh, against a bad offense, and they went against the bad offense this week, and they seem to regress. Yeah, the, the run defense was poor early. They were getting pushed around at line of scrimmage. It settled down. It was better as the game went See, on. I, I thought if Louisville went to the, the it's two tight end pistol, which it did early in the second half, if I think if they just did that the whole game, I think they would have been able to control the clock even more. Uh, those linebackers couldn't get off the of blocks. Yeah, it, it was FSU against Boston College in a in a month or so is going to be be interesting if those linebackers don't grow up a little bit and, and come downhill and, and take on blocks better. They let Pass have the first big run early for the touchdown. Yep. He tried it again later in the game. They did a good job getting to him, putting him on the ground. I think they still got points out of that drive, but it wasn't on that play. Um, you know, they, Louisville's rushing attack has been abysmal this year. It was the best day they've had on the ground pretty yep. much against considering caliber of opponent and such. Correct. Um, it was just underwhelming. It was a poor defensive effort, and again, if Pass could connect on some of those balls, Louisville was going to bomb FSU over the top, and they had numerous opportunities that they missed. And it wasn't because FSU made them miss. And the FSU still the, – the pass rush was better at, what, four sacks on the day, I believe, seven tackles for loss. But they blitzed. I wish – I mean, I haven't had a chance to go back, and I, and I right. wouldn't go back again. The amount of blitzes and the amount of people they threw at it, the numbers were still eh, the, very the, mediocre. The they sec- still need to get home much better than they are, and they need to round the edge so much better than they do. They overextend on the edge constantly. Burns said that after the game. Round the edge, pinch, make the – the spot smaller, make the passer uncomfortable, and sometimes you get an arm up and you get a ball that's, uh, by deflection or by swat or by fumble. That's the one thing I thought they did do better in the second half and why Louisville only came up with three points. One, because they were trying to slow the game down and kill the clock. But two, I thought the pass rush got home better. Even if it wasn't a sack, they were hitting pass. Marvin Wilson did a good job getting some interior pass rush. Everything else they were late on in the first half. Yeah. They would maybe hit him, but it would be after he was throwing the ball or where it wasn't impacting his follow-through. It was right after. And that little you know, half a second makes a difference in how the quarterback throws it. So that was a little bit better. You know, Brian Burns was good uh, on the afternoon. There was some encouraging signs there. Um, you know, Marvin Wilson always flashes. He continues to do those three or four big plays a game where you just say, wow, that's a – that could be a first-round draft pick in two years. But the other DN spot was fairly uh, worthless Saturday. Exactly, yeah, Wally Amy, I know he graded out really high with PFF, and I think it was somewhat limited snaps, but his impact on the game was not very – it was very minimal. It was minimal. Janarius Robinson got swept inside too much and didn't sit the edge particularly well, other than one play where he turned a corner, hustled, and helped chase it down. Stanford Samuels crashed down and made a few nice plays late in the game but didn't do that consistently enough. Hamsa made some really nice plays in open space, but again, him in coverage looks 
really unnatural sometimes. There was one play where he didn't drop back anywhere near far enough when they were in that delta package, and he was up close to the line of scrimmage. I'm rambling. There was just a lot on defense that left a, it left a lot to be desired. You summed it up well earlier. I don't know what the fixes are for that. They've showed signs of being good earlier. I don't know what, what Harlan does to go back to the drawing board, but but I don't think the game plan was particularly good on on Saturday. Yeah. And special now teams, the third uh, phase of the game, this <laughs> team, my Lord, special teams, you're supposed to be an asset. We saw DJ Matthews have his best return of the season. We saw Logan Tyler equal his career long for a punt with 61 yards. He boomed nice bounce on that one. Plus you get the penalty tacked on. Mm-hmm. Flip the field. Actually a huge moment in that game. But, man, there are just some bonehead moments. The ball off the helmet is somewhat bad luck, but you got to have more communication from your spotter, which is your receiving, punt receiving yeah, DJ, individual. DJ He's got to be directing us. traffic a little bit more. Um, kick returns, you know, Louisville came close on one to break in. They also had a punt return with Roger Burns around midfield that they came close to breaking. They weren't far off, and Burns is an excellent return, man, one of the better ones we'll see this year. But it's just concerning. It's not a good unit. It's not an asset to kick, the football Kickoff return wasn't great. Uh, Jonathan Vickers made a heads-up play to, to catch the ball, but there was the one right before the half where, where the ball hits the ground in between the, the outback and, the, and Amir Sewell, the returner. Louisville almost recovers it. Amirisville's other return was for 16 yards, so combined 16 yards on, on two times he touched the ball as a kickoff returner. That's not great. Uh, it just hasn't – you know, there's been some facets of it that have been been solid at times, but there hasn't been one game where FSU has won the field position and, and clearly been better on special teams than its opponent. Alonzo so, Hampton isn't earning his paycheck. Let's just be honest I, I'm, I, Right now, uh, he has done a poor job coordinating the special teams, which is his job. Average starting field position, first half, FSU 18, FSU 29. For the game, FSU 24. For Louisville, Louisville 37, Louisville 25. For the game, Louisville 31. But, but, you're yeah, you're giving up yards. Some of that's defense, offense, but at the same time, Special teams is doing nothing to swing those numbers. I mean, what's a five-yard difference in... But, for the game, seven yards. Seven yards and they average, but you multiply that, there's 14 possessions, I think, for Louisville. You know, I mean, that's a full field. That's that's almost uh, 80-something yards. Math, I don't know. But that's that's almost a full football field uh, that you lose, and that's consistently happening to Florida State. I should go back and look. Uh, they don't think they've won the... How they won the field position, position? maybe against so. Samford because there's so many turnovers, but against an FBS team, I don't think that's happened uh, to date. That's problematic, man. Uh, and and while I can give offensive and defensive coordinators a pass because you know the offensive line is what it is. You have weaknesses. You have a there. lot of different pieces trying to work together to do things with kick returns and punt returns. You have one sole purpose. Correct. And. With that in mind, the guys that you have doing that, like there, there are some deficiencies on this roster. Florida State isn't lacking for athletes. Yeah, you have the athletes to be good on special teams. You have to be better. Like you said, it has to be an asset. At the very least, it can't be a weakness. Right yeah. now, it. I'm curious to get Willie's thoughts today when we talked to him in the press conference if he thinks that's getting any better because he said that a couple of weeks ago it has to be an asset. To me, it doesn't seem like it. It's anywhere near that right now. So, yeah, uh, some good, some bad. You know, it, it is what it is. I think we have a completely different tone today if FSU doesn't find a way to, to win yeah, the game. Yeah, because they're which, two and three <laughs> staring four wins in the face for the year. Which At three and two, there's a little more optimism. You can compete for bowl and, you know, maybe even exceed that by one. But, uh, shoot, they – I mean, they can't watch – the only good feeling they're going to have watching that film is knowing they came out with a W. Which is which – is, Important. Which is meaningful, yes, yeah. it is. But uh, this is still a flawed team. Yeah. And I don't want, you know, I don't want, 
it's a delicate balance. I don't want our listeners and readers to think that all the issues are solved because they won the game, and I don't want them to think this team sucks. It's somewhere in between right now, and there's something you can feel good about after this game. I just don't don't think it's all different now. For the team, there should be no satisfaction in what they see on film, but there should be an understanding that, hey, if we play for 60 minutes, we will sometimes have opportunities to steal a game like yep. that. Yep. And past teams, the last two, three years, obviously have failed at understanding sometimes playing 60 minutes matters. Yeah, yeah. Credit it's to a building block, not to call out my own article I wrote on Saturday night, but that's exactly what I got at. You know, they, they didn't play a good game, but they did learn something from the game they played. Yep. And they got a win for it. All right, real quick, Miami, 3.30 p.m. on Saturday. FSU goes down there. Miami hasn't won in South Florida against Florida State since 2004. Yep. Uh, FSU opened up as a 12-point favorite. That spread is You bounced. mean dog? Dog, sorry, jeez. They've opened up as a 12-point underdog, and that spread has bounced around. It's gone up to 13.5 points, down to 11. I don't know. I think it's settling at around 12 right now, but double-digit no matter how you cut it. Well, Miami can get after your quarterback, which for FSU is a deadly formula because they haven't done a very good job protecting quarterback overall this season. Mm-hmm. FSU's going to have to run the ball down there. I hate to break it to people, but they're still going to run the ball a hell of a lot. Um. And, you know, you got to bother Nikosi Perry. He's looked good enough in his first two starts, not that FIU, or I guess he technically didn't start against FIU, no, right? FIU, but he played a majority of that in North Carolina with his first start. He's looked fairly good against those two, but neither of those two are really a whole lot to take home. No. Um, yeah, guys like Jeff Thomas will eat them alive. Travis Homer is maybe the best back they've seen so far this year. Um, in fact, he probably is. That defensive line can give them some issues. The linebackers are talented. Uh, Brevin Jordan, the tight end for Miami, can be an issue for these linebackers on FSU squad that don't do a particularly good job in coverage. You know, Jeff Thomas is the kind of guy where if your linebackers have to stay home in the middle and down, you know, if he gets one-on-one deep with a safety with the way FSU safeties look this week, he's going to hit one or two big ones. So there's reasons why Miami has the line they have. But it's a rivalry game. FSU has yet to play their best game of the season. Not that they're a great football team, even if that comes together, but they can be a good enough football team to compete with Miami, in my opinion. I think they can compete with them. Uh, that rivalry, when Florida State had superior talent in recent years, Miami always found a way to keep yeah. it close. This is kind of how that that goes. Uh, the I don't want to reiterate too much of what you said, uh, and we're still kind of dive into some of Miami stuff later on in the week, but... Yeah, man. The, you got to keep your quarterback safe. I think the passing game has to be explosive. You have to find ways to make plays downfield. And on the other side, you have to make Perry uncomfortable. You, you got to find ways to, to to get him off out of a rhythm early, because uh, he'll he'll dice you up vertically. Uh, that that's been a weakness for FSU, and it's been a strength for Miami. Um, so that's where we're at with that. Anything else before we sign off here? Just watch the tunnel screen that they had mm-hmm. early in the game for the touchdown. Just run that 87 times against Miami. Execute it that way, you'll, you'll be okay. The perimeter blocking has been better, uh, and, and the wide receivers have really stepped up, and I think that is – I've been told those guys know it's Miami week, and, and they're up for the challenge, and they're feeling really confident right now. We'll see what happens when you get hit in the mouth once or twice down there with that crowd, but – uh, if you're going to win that game, those guys are going to have to come up big. I, I think that's that's kind of where my head's at right now. With with you're going to need the passing game to do something special. The run game has to be Respectful. adequate. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so we'll we'll have more Florida State Miami content throughout the week. Give it a read at knowles247.com. 
Uh, please, if you have two or three minutes, go to iTunes, give us a five-star review uh, for the podcast here. It actually does help. Even if you don't think it's a five-star podcast, just lie. Five-star review. <laughs> That's fine. Mine's fine if it helps me out. It does help with the popularity of the podcast and will give us traction going forward to do more cool things. So uh, hopefully, hopefully, if you guys have a minute or two, you can do that. Thank you for listening. I'm Brendan Sinone. Chris Nate, thanks for joining me as always, guys. Hopefully you found this uh, somewhat helpful to uh, to set the tone for the week and kind of see what the good and bad was against Louisville. But guys, remember, a win is a win. With the Knowles 24-7 podcast, this is Brendan Sinone sticking the landing.